We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. It's another Monday show, and the Packers were on a bye this week, so no Green Bay football to talk about, but plenty of other football uh, to discuss and enjoy on this Sunday. I guess you were listening on a Monday, but how is everybody doing? How was your weekend, and how are you feeling? Yeah, really good. It's it's strange, though. It's been three weeks since the Packers played on a Sunday, so a lot of red zone, a lot of uh, Sunday ticket flipping. Yep. But, uh, you know, overall, from a Packers standpoint, the negativity has a tendency to snowball when you have this much time off. So I am definitely looking forward to this team getting healthy, getting back in the win column next week, and have like give us a show to talk about something really positive a week from today. How are you doing, Maggie? Yeah, this has been a really strange couple weeks with no Packers football on Sundays. So I'm just hoping we see some adjustments coming out of the bye. Packers, you know, play with their hair on fire. But it's the, I mean, it's against the Broncos. Like they have to, right? Like yeah. they have to do something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we knew this had the potential, right, to be a long season. And we kept saying the goal is to evaluate the quarterback. And it still is, but it's really hard to do that when you can't, you know, get a fair assessment from your offense. They're having so many issues and struggling. So hopefully. This team comes out swinging next week, and we have a fun win to talk about next Sunday night. But because we have a bye this week, we thought that we would do something a little bit different and talk about Green Bay's upcoming free agents. Listeners know that we love, of course, giving our way too early predictions for things, which we've done (laughs) many times throughout the offseason. And we're going to continue that today with a fun little game that I have called resign or resign and I was going to put Rashawn Gary on this list but I know that he's probably the only player that we unequivocally agree on obviously needs to be re-signed yes as (laughs) soon as possible this should have happened already we should have Mm -hmm. heard this news over the bye week I don't know what else they were working on but it felt like a discussion that we needed to have today yeah and I just wanted to frame the conversation a little bit I love I love 
love what Maggie did with this concept. Uh, but I want to talk about cap space. And the Packers should enter the offseason with about $18.9 million in cap space. They haven't started an offseason in the positive in quite a while. So that is nice. The problem is they have less ways to create cap space this offseason. David Bakhtiari could save them potentially $21.4 million if they cut or trade him. However, we know that there may be an injury settlement if the Packers try to do that. Um, and that could tie the Packers cap space up or potentially cause the whole contract to be guaranteed. So that is a potential disaster. Maybe they can rework his deal, but that would involve pushing even more money out unless Bakhtiari wanted to do something to help out the team, which I think is unlikely. Um, but you never know. Um, so I'm I'm just using spot track on this. So I don't guarantee that this is 100 percent accurate. But ballpark, the Packers can rework Jair, Preston, Elton, and Devondre, keep them all on the roster, and save around $16 million. So Goody could have anywhere between, let's say, $35 and $56 million to work with, depending on what happens with Bakhtiari. So that is a little bit more wiggle room than they're used to. Maybe there's some cheap agents or something, but that does give them the opportunity to resign their own. So Kyle, why don't you get started with our first candidate? Yeah, absolutely. I just think it's interesting, like, as I know we haven't done the show yet, so people will get the flavor as we work our way through this. And I know there was a lot of conversation in the offseason about whether this was a rebuild or a retool. There was a lot of arguments about that. You can call it what you want, but it's really evident as I work through this exercise how different this roster is going to be next year from what it was last year. Obviously, there's the gap year right now that we're in. I just think you can call it a retool if you want, but this team is going to be built very, very different in 2024 than it's even built right now and what we saw in the years past. You mentioned the David Bakhtiari thing. I think it's really interesting that Bakhtiari has talked about uh, the front office in a really positive way, um, which is interesting given his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. I think it bodes well for them to patch that situation, knowing that his contract is going to have to be reworked and they're going to have to navigate those injury things that they seem to be in a good place right now that the front office has not expressed frustration with Bakhtiari at this point. And it, that I think speaks to hopefully that being something that ends well, or at least is worked through in a positive way. So holding out hope, especially given those dollar amounts that you just tossed out, but yeah, let's start with this. Um, Darnell Savage is the first name at the top of our list. And I don't know that I, I guess I'm kind of surprised that I'm saying this, but I'm very interested in re-signing Savage if it's a reasonable deal. Like, very, very reasonable. I think I think he's shown some growth this year, and I think adding another impact safety could go a long way in taking the pressure off of Savage. Uh, we saw the implications in the past of what it looks like to have two competent starters at safety and how that helps the second safety along. We saw that with, you know, the Morgan Burnett years and some of those guys that he played alongside. Um, I'm not breaking the bank here or anything close to it. Um, I'm also not afraid to let him walk if that's necessary. But if he's willing to sign a deal that makes him kind of that fringe starter, like maybe he's a depth piece, maybe he starts, I'd be totally fine with that. I think there's still a lot that Darnell Savage can add to this team. Yeah, I mean, I think we know that the cupboard is pretty bare at the safety position right now for the Packers. There's going to be a huge need to invest in that position in 2024. And that 
could be through the draft, could be through free agency, but ideally it would be both. And it would be a pretty significant draft pick at safety, one of the early rounds. So I think if the Packers do invest high in the draft on a safety, I like Savage as a compliment, you know, on the back end there. But I absolutely agree with you that you don't break the bank in this kind of situation or go out of your way to re-sign him. But I do like the value and I like the security that he would bring on a one or two year deal to provide some stability because right now, you know, Anthony Johnson Jr. is about your only death piece and he has either been injured or inactive for the first couple weeks of the season. So definitely going to need to get some help there. And Savage is, you could do a lot worse than Savage is one of your rotational pieces. Yeah, I I think Savage has taken a step forward this year. And by that, I mean, he looks like a replacement level starter at safety instead of a potential burden. And, And there is value in that. I'm not saying that even as a diss, like, replacement level starters are crucial to teams that are going to be solid. You you can't have great players at every position. And if I think I think if the Packers were in a better cap situation, I think a one year five to six million dollar per year deal would make a ton of sense. But we I, I just talked about it's kind of uncertain how the Packers 2024 offseason outlook is going to be. If they're a little bit closer to that 35 million, I think that's probably a little bit too steep of a price, five or six million dollars a year. If some team wants to come in and offer, you know, seven, eight, nine million dollars a year, I think the Packers have to bow out. So unfortunately, I think probably the Packers have to let Savage walk and then draft or find a veteran journeyman for less money. But I think if they do end with a li- end up with a little bit of wiggle room, maybe they can get something worked out with Octiari or maybe the the cut or trade happens then I think, you know, Savage coming back does become a really good fit for this team. So, uh, Maggie, you want to lead us in the conversation about A.J. Dillon? (laughs) Yeah, this one, I mean, it stings a little bit because I loved Dillon in the draft process, and he's been such an easy personality to root for during his time with the Packers. Obviously, the mayor of Door County wrote a children's book. It's just always that person around Lambeau Field, great with fans. So, I (sighs) All of that said, you know, really heavy heart, but like, I just, I don't see that there's a way to bring him back if you intend to keep Aaron Jones, which we've seen what the offense looks like without him. I think Aaron Jones has to be the decision. You have to use him. He is such a, like a focal point of your offense, but the Packers have proven with a player like Aaron Jones that you can find starting caliber running backs on day three in the draft. And I think that's what they're going to need to do, given the cap investment that they'll have at other positions. So it hurts. And I'm not sure that I just don't think that there's a way we see Dylan and Green and Gold next season, unless he's signing for like really close to the vet minimum or something happens and Aaron Jones is gone. Packers are certainly keeping the mileage off of Aaron Jones this season so that he can be awesome. <laughs> no, of course, of course, the injury is keeping him on the sideline, and that is a bummer. Hopefully we see him back at full strength really, really soon. Um, again, unfortunately, the answer here is you've got to resign to moving on from Dylan. He's a great locker room guy, as Maggie said. So easy to pull for. Great at he's you know starting these online farms it appears that we've seen <laughs> <laughs> but he he has lost a step I don't think there's any way around that the running back position is relatively replaceable in general that's just the reality it stinks to be a running back but I think you're in a place where it just doesn't make sense to bring him back even if he is kind of like that third running back on your roster at like a veteran minimum price I just don't know that you go out of your way to do that. So the question to me, Andrew, is should the Packers pay a running back? Stop it. 
Get off. <laughs> yeah, I, Get out I, of here. I have a long history of saying no to this question. So uh, in this case, also no. Uh, I do think the Packers are going to have to do something with the Aaron Jones contract this offseason unless they are moving on from him, which I don't think is a good idea. Um, but NFL teams cannot pay two veteran running backs. It does not work fiscally. And especially given uh, Dylan's unfortunate struggles, it just really doesn't work. So unless he's willing to come back on a vet minimum deal and you're like, well, we're just going to use you as a a sledgehammer and nothing else. And we're still going to draft a guy. I don't know why they would bring him back. There are always a ton of guys in the middle rounds of the draft. Think Kyron Williams. Think Tyler Algier, Jerome Ford, Kenneth Gainwell. Like the list just goes on and on and on and on. And you can draft two or three players on day three and probably come out with one or two guys that are going to help you fill out your roster. So, um, and in addition to that, you can seemingly always find a veteran out there who is looking for a one-year prove-it deal. So I, I just don't think that there is any way, unless A.J. Dillon comes out of the bye week, a completely different player that he is back next year. Uh, and I get to lead the conversation on Keyshawn Nixon. Uh, and this is leading me into being like real negative because this is my third <laughs> no in a row. Uh, I always thought Nixon's returnability was a little bit of a flash in the pan last year, and he's already made some mistakes in taking the ball deep out of the end zone. I, I have been begging Green Bay to draft a designated slot corner for years, and they refuse to do so. I happen to have been in love with a Meek Robertson, you know, who might have played pretty well last week, just saying, but they refuse to do that. You, you can get such great value, and, and that's where I would look in the middle rounds. If Nixon doesn't have any market and wants to come back for a bargain, I do like him as a locker room guy and somebody who does a lot of things pretty well, but I'm going to take a pass at anywhere near what he is making this season. So, so much of this conversation is going to be informed by what the Packers do at defensive coordinator, right? Because I mean, I think yeah. the fan the fan base is begging for a change there, and honestly, it's it's just getting tiring to to hear the clamoring for the replacement. But I think that's a real conversation that's going to happen. So how they want to use their corners, how they want to play a slot, what they value in that, and then how they want to play their safeties. Like we're talking about both safeties over the course of this conversation here. How do they want them to primarily? Be guys who come up and play the run and support? Are they going to look for guys who are a little bit more rangy in the back end? That's all going to be stuff that impacts whether or not they want to bring these guys back. That's really just interesting. And maybe we do see a pivot there to where they're like, hey, we really need a designated nickel guy, and that'll be something that they consider with the new scheme. But uh, yeah, I mean, Nixon is a guy. It's interesting, like Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas were kind of guys that came into Green Bay rebirth their careers right and Nixon is kind of that guy who was the same right he wasn't that player came to Green Bay and really came to life and it seems like uh Brian Gutekunst has hit on those other two guys and I was skeptical when they paid those guys just because like they've been around the league and it hasn't worked and they are working in Green Bay it seems like maybe Nixon is the, the exception there and maybe you said flash in the pan. I think that may be what we're seeing here. The re- returnability just hasn't been the same this year. The Packers needed a spark last year. So they kind of gave him the green light to take the kickoffs out from kind of wherever he was, like in the stands, like that deep in the end zone. And it's just not working this year. And he just kind of keeps doing it. And Green Bay seems content to let Reed, the rookie, get the reps at punt returner on occasion. So I don't think Nixon is reliable enough on defense to really make him worth playing 
paying there to play. So I just think he's probably a guy that you say, eh, it was fun while it lasted, but he's probably not in the plans going forward. Yeah, this has not been fun so far. I mean, Nixon, you know, obviously <laughs> all pro return moments in 2022, even got to have an offensive snap the season, just like a fun football player. It's like AJ Dillon, you root for him, yeah. um, especially the story that just came out, you know, about his mom um, during the crucial catch campaign here. Just a really easy player to want on your team. But we also know that the cornerback room is one that the Packers always invest really heavily in when it comes to the draft. They've got Alexander. They have Douglas, they have Stokes, they have Valentine as someone now that they're high on so far in his rookie season. So I'm not, I'm just not sure there's a lot of room for Nixon. That's already four guys there. I was going to say the Packers can't just roster only special teams players, but they've done that, right? For Rich Bisaccia, like, you know, Dallin Levitt's right there. So maybe Nixon does sign a cheaper deal to return and kind of be the face of teams for Rich Bisaccia, wants to come keep playing, but doesn't have a huge role on defense because I just don't know what snaps would even be available for him next season if he were to return, given how deep the corner room should be uh, with the the players that are listed and, of course, you know, whoever they pick up in the draft. And following this conversation... Keyshawn Nixon will house a kickoff return next week for <laughs> your Green Bay Packers against the Broncos. So, and you can thank you can thank us for that. Yeah, and go find that on Prize Picks. I don't know how they would do that, but just go go ahead <laughs> and find that as well. But um, our next guy here is John Runyon Jr. And I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think Runyon can start in the league as kind of as long as he's kind of that worst offensive lineman that you're putting out on the field. Like he's your Backup guard, ideally, but you can play him if you need to. I don't think you back up the Brinks truck, but I do kind of think that having him as your fifth O lineman could you could have a worse situation than that. And he's a priority depth kind of player. I could totally see the Packers wanting to bring him back, and I could see the fan base kind of groaning about it after the way we've seen the offensive line play. But I don't know that John Running Jr. is always the problem, and I think he could be a part of the solution next year. Yeah, I don't think the Packers have a ton of confidence in their interior options right now, besides, of course, Elton Jenkins. You know, Runyon comes back. I think so, because I don't know who on the roster would replace him. You know, you've got Sean Ryan, you've got Royce Newman, and there's always the draft, of course. They could take someone really early, but if we're talking about a world without potentially David Bakhtiari as your starting left tackle on the line, and you're talking about maybe Zach Tom staying at right tackle for the long term, going into his second season there, I'm not sure that you want to mess with consistency and Josh Myers is under contract still through 2025, but there's a part of me that wonders if the Packers are going to do anything with their offensive line, if they would move on from their center before they moved on from John Runyon Jr. What's going on Packer fans. It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their pizza pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And then you can get ready for football and fun Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. Pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it. And more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love Crazy Bread. Love, love, love Crazy Bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get Crazy Bread. And speaking of winning, 
Literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't know about you guys, but fall is the absolute busiest time of year for me. Besides the obvious craziness of football season, it's also back to school, soccer season for the kids, and just a never-ending stream of things to do on the to-do list. And that busyness makes it extremely difficult for me to get wholesome, healthy meals. And far too often, I'm settling for less nutritious alternatives. If you're feeling that busyness like I am, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for those jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you Fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. If you're looking for calorie-conscious options during the busy season, try their delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered straight to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Guys, my family and I have been eating these meals and they are incredibly, incredibly good. Dead serious, you're going to enjoy them. Head to factormeals.com slash packaday50 and use code packaday50 to get 50% off. That's code packaday50 at factormeals.com slash packaday50 to get 50% off. Yeah, I Again, I think Runyon is a replacement level starting guard in the league. And when you move on from young offensive linemen who do have the ability to start, it usually results in regret. But there is seemingly always a team who has a ton of cap room who will overpay a starting guy just like John Runyon Jr. I'd, I'd love to keep him, honestly, but I'm guessing his price tag is going to be slightly shocking to most of us. And I do think he ends up playing elsewhere next year. All right, so I think we're I think we're getting into the fun part of the conversation here, but Rudy Ford is the next man up and he's just been such a blessing these first couple weeks of the season. You know, all offseason the narrative was who's going to start opposite Darnell Savage and Ford beat all of the contenders that were there for that starting spot. The Packers brought in some veteran free agents and some of them didn't even make the roster and Rudy Ford, you know, took that starting jobs. And so far he's been one of the best players on defense. He's second on the team in total tackles only player on the team with multiple interceptions. He's PFF's 19th best safety out of 86. So I I think he's kind of in the same boat as Savage, where you need one safety opposite a young draft pick that would come in to be your starting tandem next season. 
I'm not sure I see a world where Savage and Ford both come back, which is the unfortunate part of this. And, you know, so I think the Packers would have a tough decision to make there. And I could see this one kind of, you know, going in favor of Savage because he was a former first round pick from Brian Gutekunst. But I would definitely be in the camp that I think you should re-sign Rudy Ford for his value. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to resign for this to be my first re-sign. <laughs> I, I love what Ford brings, and I think he is the perfect presence next to a rookie safety. I, if if they can lock him up in that like five to six million dollar range that I talked about with Savage, I'd love to see him back in 2024. And I actually prefer his steady presence. If you're going to draft a rookie safety in the first two rounds, let's say, they're probably going to be a little bit more of a ball hawk, maybe somebody who takes a little bit more risk. And putting that solid presence of Ford next to them makes a little bit more sense than Savage, who can be a little bit more of a variable kind of player. Yeah, it's in some ways, it's kind of tempting to move on. He's 29 years old. He turns 29 next month in November. I think Green Bay needs to invest in the safety position in general. But I do think Ford could continue to kind of be that bridge like we've talked about to the future there. Maybe he does start beside a rookie, like Andrew said. And so for the right price, I think it might be worth keeping him around. Maggie already mentioned PFF. And another PFF thing here, the Packers, he's their third highest graded defender for the Green Bay Packers, which I think is totally nuts. Obviously, Gary and Rasul are the only two above him. But if you had said that coming into the season, that Rudy Ford was going to be your third best defender I don't think a lot of people would have believed you. So he's having a great season, and I think he's played himself into a place where maybe he is worth another contract. And then I am going to bring up Josiah Deguara. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can the Packers just bring in an actual full? Please, please. Like, if Deguara is your third or fourth tight end, whatever. But, like, he cannot play fullback. Just no. Please stop. All right, that I guess it's my turn. That was <laughs> I I, no. I wasn't sure if there was going to be more there, but yeah, I mean, you're hoping the Packers drafted two tight ends in 2023. We know what the goal is. Luke Musgrave is hopefully your receiving tight end, your dynamic threat, especially in the middle of the defense, and he's he I think he still obviously stays on his feet. He has the potential to absolutely be that guy and then some Tucker Craft, I think, is your do-it-all tight end. He, you want him to be a willing blocker. You want him to be kind of dynamic in the receiving game, but those two, you know, taking a jump, you've got Ben Sims on the roster. I know we'll talk about Tyler Davis here in a little bit, but those options, those candidates make Josiah DeGuara expendable. And I just don't see a world where he's he's back with the Packers next season. Yeah. So what what are you going to add to this, Andrew? <laughs> no, what could, I wasn't. What could, you, what could you possibly say other than no? I, mean, I said my piece. I said oh. my piece. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say this is very similar to the A.J. Dillon where, like, super easy player to to root for. But, I mean, the definition of a replaceable here, I think. And the crazy thing is, like, I think Josiah DeGuara, A.J. Dillon, and Jordan Love are kind of close. Like, I think they're buddies, like, off the field. And so that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Like, are all of his friends going to leave in one off season? We've seen a lot of, like, Aaron Rodgers getting to pick his buddies in some ways obviously it's a different dynamic when it's Jordan Love and not Aaron Rodgers but uh, it would be interesting to see these guys leave town um, as the Packers kind of move on and a lot of times fans like we get it wrong like on draft day when we hate picks and we just don't understand but it kind of feels like 2020 when the Packers picked 
A.J. Dillon and Josiah DeGuara in consecutive rounds. I think we may have, I think we may have read that one correctly. It seems like that was uh, kind of a couple of rough picks for the Green Bay Packers. The, the funniest part, though, about Andrew's point about drafting a fullback is that Josiah DeGuara had a much better relative athletic score as a fullback than a tight end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what he didn't have was the RAS that Andy would refer to, which I can't repeat on this podcast, um, the relative you-know-what score uh, of being a bully and a not-so-nice guy because, you know, he doesn't create a lot of running lanes. Anyways, moving on. Uh, So we're not going to go through these individually, but some other pending free agents, Yash Nyman, Caleb Jones, Dallin Levitt, Justin Hollins, Eric Wilson, Jonathan Owens, punter Daniel Whelan uh, and then Emmanuel Wilson, Christian Welch, Tyler Davis, Zane Anderson, who we think is a real person, but no one knows. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see Caleb Jones and Daniel Whelan back. I, I think Jones has a ton of upside and I think, you know, just hopefully he's pretty cheap to bring back. And I, I don't like letting prospects at tackle walk out the door Whelan has performed well and should be an affordable free agent and I think there are a few others on listed who have a chance but the Packers will be bringing in yet another large rookie class so I don't know how many will actually be back yeah I mean the sample size is really small of course through five weeks but I thought Whelan has been pretty good so far you know we'll see what happens um, as is the case with a lot of Green Bay punters where they look really good until the temperatures drop. But, you know, if he's hanging on in December and looks good, I think absolutely, yeah, you bring him back, especially if there's some connection there with Anders Carlson as his holder. You know, you don't necessarily like to mess those things up. But, you know, maybe the Packers would consider Jonathan Owens for depth, especially if they can't bring back one of or both of Savage and Ford. And I thought Eric Wilson honestly played really well against the Raiders. I don't know if I'm like pounding the table for any of these guys to come back. But I like Andrew said, I think there's definitely some names here that if they're going to come back for close to the vet minimum, Eric Wilson and Jonathan Owens would probably be the two I would expect at this point. Yeah, the Yash Nyman thing is so strange because his trajectory was incredible and it felt like he was going to contend to start for this team. And then I guess the conversation shifted to like, well, maybe we get a pick as a compensatory when he signs somewhere else. And now you kind of wonder like where his value is around the league because of what he's meant to the Packers this year. It's so interesting. Caleb Williams, you want Caleb Williams to take the exact same path. That wait, Yash- wait, wait, stop the podcast. Caleb Williams. Oh, I'm just trying to get us a really, really good player for free here. Um, or maybe not a good player, depending on what game you watch this weekend. Sorry, Caleb Jones. <laughs> uh, the offensive tackle, not the uh, USC quarterback there. Thank you for that correction, Andrew. You live for the moments where you get to correct me. I know it. I do. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> Caleb Jones, uh, the offensive tackle. I think you want him to take the exact same trajectory that Yash Nyman took in his career, where he became a player who was a late round or undrafted player and then found his way onto a team where he looked like a legitimate starting starting tackle. So I think it's interesting. You want him to take the exact same path as Yash Nyman. Yash Nyman got there and then fell off a cliff. Like so I think I think you'd love to see Caleb Williams stick around to see if he could take oh. that. Caleb Jones. 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 You want him <laughs> to take that path. You want him to be that player and see if he can be that swing tackle for the Packers that no one can find those guys that late, but the Packers somehow continue to find players late in the draft or as undrafted free agents that other teams wish that they would. And I wish that I could say the correct name, uh, but we'll 
we'll just move on <laughs> with uh, Caleb Jones, everyone. Yeah, and, you know, obviously a lot of intrigue here. This is something we love to talk about during the bye week, but with Packers having such an early bye week this week, kind of forces our hand to looking at the offseason a lot earlier than we would prefer. Um, but looking forward to the Packers getting back to the winning ways. The NFC is an absolute mess in the middle with so many teams being 3-3 three and three and 3-2, three and two, and seemingly all of the top dogs losing this week. Uh, there is kind of a mess in the middle, and the Packers still do have a really good chance if they can correct some things and get back into the winning trajectory. But uh, that is all time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every Monday. Next week, we'll be back with a review of the Packers game against the Denver Broncos. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Go Pack, go!